0: to the Luminous Podcast, weekly meditations, readings, and blessings to assist with our rest, peace, and spiritual wellness. You can find out more at LuminousAnglican.com. Let us pray. Lord God, thank you for this day. Thank you for all the good things that you give so freely. Thank you for making us, for loving us, for being for us, for being ahead of us. Lord, we pray this morning for the one who preaches. Forgive him his sins, for they are so many. They call him reverend, and he's not. We just ask that we would see Jesus in him only. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's have a seat. So first of all, uh, I want to thank Chad for giving me such an easy gospel to preach on, um, and he planned this out because he told me two months ago that he wanted me to preach today, and so I looked at the gospel, and I said, oh, good. And in addition to that, I have about a journal's worth of notes, and so we're all in trouble this morning. I'll tell you that. Um, I want to say thank you to my youngest daughter, Abigail, for being here this morning, because um, I'm about to mention your sister, so I had to mention you before I go there. This is from the First Nations Version. Listen to this uh, rendering of the middle part. This is Jesus. Do you look for me to bring peace to this troubled land? The message I bring will pierce like the blade of a long knife. It will turn a son against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. In their own homes they will fight like enemies, all because of me. The grass withers. And the flowers fade but the word of God he stands forever last night I went to a concert with my firstborn daughter she's 23 years old and it reminded me that this is the 23 anniversary of my introduction to Anglicanism she was three years old and we visited Holy Cross Church which is right down the road which is where I was ordained priest we went to a Eucharist service and um, it was one of the most beautiful and breathtaking things I had ever seen in my life. But what was most provocative to me is in the middle of the week, my three-year-old daughter said, Dad, are we gonna, are we gonna go back to the beautiful place? Are we gonna go back to the beautiful church? There's so many things to love about this ethos. We all love the beauty, we love the mystery, the reverence, bowing at the name of Jesus, kissing the words of Jesus in the gospel, standing for the gospel, honoring the words of Jesus above all others. I want to come back to this. How many of you have seen the movie The Sandlot? I hope all of you have seen it. The Sandlot to me is kind of a parable of my view of God growing up. Yes. So it's a great baseball movie. I love baseball. Sorry about the Reds. I see that they finally lost. Uh, But what a run they had. So we're going to celebrate with you. With the Sandlot, this group of kids who play baseball, and oftentimes they hit the ball over into this neighboring yard where stories of this man and this beast who eats animals and destroys young children are there. And that's the whole thing. That's, That's how it plays out the whole time until they finally... Go and meet this man, (laughs) and it (laughs) happens to be James Earl Jones. Come on. And they meet James Earl Jones, and they get to know him, and they look at him, and they talk to him, they experience him, they feel him, and they know when they do, they have nothing to fear because he's kind and he's loving. We've all had views of things that aren't quite right and views of people that aren't quite right until we get to know the actual human being, the actual person. It's so easy to hate and to mock a faceless other, but it's hard to hate people that you're up close to. A parable of how I used to view God. There's a reason we stand to listen to Jesus and the reason is this the writer to Hebrews says Jesus is the radiance of God's glory the exact representation of his being Jesus is the face of God we don't have to wonder who God is we don't have to wonder what God is like all we have to do is stare into the face of jesus and we'll know there's no more wondering and that's a beautiful wonderful thing so this beautiful passage here it's a little scary sounding and it is in fact do you look for me to bring peace to this troubled land the message i bring will pierce like the blade of a long knife in their homes They will fight like enemies all because of me. My grandfather turned 98 on Tuesday. He got his first pair of dentures last year. I called him on his birthday because he's my hero, and he was walking from his room down to the mess hall where apparently he was going to be met with a lot of women, he told me. And without a filter these days, he said, you know, son, I love women. And my mom, my mom was behind him. It was a FaceTime call, and she was going, I don't know. <laughs> but my grandfather and my grandmother raised me. He's a Southern Baptist preacher and really the best man I know. I, I can remember walking into his back room and him sitting on a little folded chair in their tiny house, and his Bible would be open, and tears would be coming down his eyes. One of those times, I said, what are you reading about? And he was reading the story of Isaac and Abraham and the sacrifice. And and I would just end up sitting at his feet. Because he had already been bitten by the love of God. And once you've tasted a little bit, you can't untaste it. And it ends up bleeding into everything. And that's my grandfather. But I want to tell you a story. I didn't know it at the time, but this became a defining story for me. Remember Kmart? Kmart? I love Kmart. Kmart used to be everything where we lived. You got your medicine from there, you got all your stuff from there, you got your pretzels and your popcorn from there. You got your car fixed there. And I love the smell of the of, of the auto shop. And there was a door from the auto shop into the store, and it would lead into this brightness. Well, it was December, and they had just put the Christmas trees out, and I was eight years old. And Paul was having his car fixed, and he did not leave the auto shop. He wanted to watch them do it, and he wanted to get to know them, and he wanted to make sure they had all accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. And I knew this was what was going to happen, so I asked him if I could. Him. I was already enamored with Christmas; I still am. John, Mays. I'll explain that maybe, or maybe I won't. But I walked in, and the Christmas trees were there, resplendent and beautiful, and I saw this little bucket. And in this bucket were cassettes. I meant to bring this cassette this morning, but I forgot. And there was, a, there was a cassette there, and it was a sweet man's face on the front. I'd never heard of him before. His name was Bing Crosby. And the name of the record is Christmas with Bing. And it was $3.99. So I went out to the auto shop where my grandfather was. And I said, "Pa," and I described the whole thing to him. And he said, <clears throat> well, son, would you like to have it? Because so he wanted me to ask. And I said, yes, sir. And so he pulled a $5 bill out of his wallet that was so huge. What did they put in those wallets? It was about four inches thick. But he pulled a $5 bill out, and I went to the checkouts, and I bought Christmas with me. And on the way home, he put it in. And the first song was, said the night went to a little lamb." Do you see what I see? And the rest is history because my kids now know all of Bing Crosby's songs by heart. And they wouldn't have a Christmas without Bing Crosby. Why do I tell this story? I didn't know it at the time. But that scene I just described to you was a defining story moment in my life. I had no idea. And we never have an idea that we're in a defining story moment in our lives until after the fact. When we find ourselves telling it again. And we find it strangely warming us and comforting us and calling us to somewhere we may know not where. But we know that that place is love. We remember it and we retell it over and over again. Another one, and this is not a happy one, happened about 15 years ago. We were out to eat with some friends, and they had taken us to Roost Chris Steakhouse. It was wonderful. And there was a party next to us, and it was obviously um, this young man was courting the daughter. And he was well put together, had a suit, and the dad was this bombastic, braggadocious kind of guy. He's going to tell you where to park and he's going to tell you to move your car and all that stuff. And they were sitting and they were having dinner. And I I couldn't help but to listen to their conversation. And I started recognizing some of their conversation because this man was quoting a talk show host that I drank from regularly at the time. And he wanted to make sure that this young man knew how bad people of other faiths were. And this young man, I remember, and I I was totally zoned out from my dinner, and I was leaning my ear over this way, and I heard him ask a question to this young man, repeatedly, that the talk show host had posed that very day. And I started getting very uneasy. Because the young man said, Sir, I don't want to judge people I don't know. I don't want to condemn an entire people. It reached such a fever pitch that this man, and I don't judge this man. He had his own stuff. I've got my own stuff, and my, my own stuff occupies me constantly. I'm my biggest problem, so I'm not judging him. But he got up, and he slammed his hands down on that table, and he said, and I won't quote him exactly, he said, I'm sick of this, and I'm getting out of here. And there's mom, and there's daughter crying, And this young man sitting there, I remember his face. This story illustrates what Jesus is getting at in this passage about peace. N.T. Wright says it best. He said this. Jesus became to begin and establish the new way of being human. And of being God's people. And not surprisingly, those who were quite happy with the old one, thank you very much, didn't like having it disturbed. He didn't want to bring division within households for the sake of it, but he knew that if people follow his way, division was bound to follow. So what is this way of Jesus? It's contained in that book right there. The gospel. It's why we stand. We don't stand when we read Paul. I love Paul. He's a good friend of mine. We don't stand when we go to Moses. But when it comes to Jesus, we are at attention because he is the face of God. So what is this way? What is this way? Well, where do we look if we want to find out what the way of Jesus is? Who do we look to? Well, we look to Jesus. And I'm going to take you to three places. And I was raised Baptist, so I always preach from the Bible, and I flip through the Bible. I can't help it. I've been told not to do that, but I'm going to keep doing it. In Luke chapter 4, Jesus announced his ministry. This is called the Nazareth Manifesto. And he said, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoner. Recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free. And to proclaim the year of jubilee where all debts would be forgiven and all slaves would be set free. That would be so costly, wouldn't it? But that's Jesus. The face of God. The word of God. And then we can look at the Sermon on the Mount. I like to call that his inaugural address. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the peacemakers. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Do not judge. Or maybe his last will and testament. Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25 is a story that had been heard and recognized and Jesus loved to take those stories and flip them on their heads because when he starts this if I can can get there there it is when he starts this it starts like this when the son of man comes in his glory and all the angels are with him he will sit on his glorious throne ah the Pharisees recognize this story we know where this is going I like this All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people from one another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Perfect. We know how to do this. The good people and the bad people. Yes. And we happen to be the good ones. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father. Can you imagine how proud they look at this this moment? Take your inheritance the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. It starts off fine. Wonderful story for the Pharisees. They've heard it before many times. Because hey, um, we're the good guys. We we vote the right way. We have the right heritage. We we belong to the right clubs. We look good and smell good, and everyone knows it. We even say Merry Christmas. And then Jesus does the unthinkable. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger. Can we hear Jesus in our day? I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. And all of a sudden, listen to this shift. Then the righteous will answer him, "Uh, Lord, what are you talking about? This isn't how this story goes. When did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in? Or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? Then the king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Jesus said, I am the way truth in the life and no one comes to the father except through my way his way is the way he treated people and loved people and engaged people and poured out his life for people his truth is the truth of the gospel that we revere and honor his life is the one that he gave and poured Continues to do so Paul says I fill up in my own flesh what is lacking in regard to Christ's sufferings That's the way the truth and the life we turned it into you got to wear the right jacket to get in the club That is not what Jesus is talking about it is far bigger It's everything He is everything My dear friends. Sometimes when people ask me if I'm a Christian, I I hesitate. I love Jesus more than I ever have. Because I've experienced the love of God just a little. And a little goes a long way. But I have friends. I have friends who who won't come here, who can't come here, because we have abandoned the gospel of Christ. But Father Chad, I want to tell you something. As I sit here, when I can be here, I'm encouraged. Because this house, the gospel lives here. The love of God lives here. kindness, mercy, charity, openness, hearing. It lives here. And you know who I want to live here? Everyone. Everyone. Because Jesus came for everyone. That, my dear I get to spend time with this man. He's uh, one of my best friends. One of the best men I know. Broken. Screwed up. Amazing. I hope he'd say the same thing about me. Thank you for what you do here. Thank you for being open. I have just scrapped the rest of my sermon because I think it's time to do that. But I want to tell one more story because I can't help myself. Ago, a couple months ago now, there was a shooting in Nashville. You heard of it. A couple days after the shooting, I was having a pint of Guinness down at the pub and reading, probably studying for this sermon, filling my journal with notes. And a conversation started, and I recognized it. I recognized the conversation. It's almost like someone had sh- rolled up in a car. And pulled out scripts. And handed the conservative people their scripts. And they handed me my script. And we started doing this dance we do where nothing gets done. And we end up hating each other. And I had this thought. I said, hey, what if, what if we intentionally choose to not have this conversation? You know what Paul says? We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities and spiritual forces in the heavenly places. Those dark powers don't want us to have real conversations. They don't want us to be together. Those dark forces want us to divide and devour. Let's stop. Let's go out of here today filled with the food and drink of life. And let's intentionally do something else. Be conservative. Be liberal. Who cares? Jesus will have none of it. He will have all of us. He will have everyone. We're going to come to this table in a minute, and we're coming to this table to be loved and nurtured and hugged, and kissed, and reminded that when we're at this table, there is one humanity. There are no, there's no rich or poor. There are no divisions. There's one humanity. What if? Some may say that I'm a dreamer. Father and Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. If you would like more information or ways to be a part of Luminous, please go to luminousanglican.com. Peace be with you.